Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's the latest, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the In the Paint Show presented by Ball is Life. Devin Ulan and Ronnie Flores here with you for episode number 77. And today, Ronnie, we're going to get back to our main focus of basketball after last week covering a lot of the college football stuff that's that's going crazy uh, in the Pac-12 and the, the Big Ten. Um, yep. We want to get back to some NBA stuff since the playoffs kicked off this week and um, kind of want to go back in time a little bit and discuss some of the some of the best players in the league right now who weren't necessarily maybe the highest rated recruits in their class. Um, sure. In a little bit, we're going to welcome on uh, Damian Lillard's high school coach at Oakland at, at Oakland High School, and then after him, we're going to have James Harden's coach uh, Scott Para, who's now the head coach at Rice University, who coached James Harden at Artesia. Um, but first, Ronnie, uh, let's dive into some NBA playoff stuff. Uh, Donovan Mitchell had 57 points last night in a loss to the Jazz. I mean, excuse me, in a loss to Denver. Um, are, are you impre- are you someone who's impressed by? that high of a of a point total and a loss yeah you know donovan mitchell's come a long way obviously you know he was kind of uh one of those guys who was a little overlooked in terms of him being in that fifth year at brewster people don't know how good he was going to be at louisville and he's really made you know his nice waves in the nba and it's what's interesting to me is that carl malone or Daryl Griffith or Adrian Danley never really had a big playoff scoring game for the Jazz. That's the first thing that came to my mind was like, you know, weren't the Jazz, the Jazz were really good. And I get why Malone didn't have maybe a big outing, but you would think he just, I mean, they were good for about 12 straight years and he didn't have one 50 point game. And before him, when they were barely getting really good with Mark Eaton, they brought in Mark Eaton from UCLA. They had already had Daryl Griffith and, and, Adrian Danley before he went to Detroit and they were scores. I mean, Danley was like leading score in the league. Good. You know? Yeah. But maybe they just weren't that good of a team. Obviously the West was stacked and it's very pretty amazing to see what Donovan Mitchell's doing. He's kind of one of those guys that is many guys in, in, in the league right now. Uh, Fred Van Vliet, you know, Damian Lillard, who's, who's got some, you know, big games for Portland coming up against the Lakers in their playoff series. So, you know, it, it's like you said, it's not always the guys that are at the top of, of, you know, a high school American list or teams that are, are doing really good. And we're going to get into that whole group from Southern California and, and California in whole. You know, um, maybe they have – there's eight really good players from California right now in the league, and they're in various teams in various stages of the career. But they all came in t- from the 06 to the 08 class, and they're all, you know, doing really well. And yeah, I think it all started in different places and right. ended up in different places. So right. it's it's amazing to see that they're pretty much what eight of the top twenty players in the league. Right. You know, yeah. So it, we're going to get into that with Orlando Watkins here in a little wide coach from Oakland High School, and with Scott Perry, as you said, to get more detail. You know, how did they get there? Are they surprised that of where they are at now? But let's give a little more rundown of the NBA before we do that. Uh, yeah. You know, Porzingis got a, a an objection that kind of changed the course of that playoff game talk a little bit about that Devin and uh you know was that fair 
and 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 what's going on in the other series? Uh, I, I mean, you hate to see a guy get ejected in a in a close game. I believe Dallas was up five at that time when he got ejected. Um, uh, the Clippers were doing everything they could to kind of try and be physical and punk Luka Doncic as much as possible, make it difficult for him to get where he wanted to go. And uh, Porzingis took issue with, I think it was Paul George. Um, and he already got a technical earlier in the game for disagreeing with a ref on, on, a, on a call he probably should have disagreed with. It was a clean yeah. block. And he went over and kind of got in the middle and I don't know who gave a shove, but n- nothing major. Uh, and he kind of cool. said he escalated the situation. But yeah, they they gave him a, a T and they reviewed it and, and stuck with it. I think if you already have one technical, you probably should know better than to go over yeah. and, and put yourself in that situation, especially in the playoffs. So yep. um, I think it's fair and foul. <laughs> I think it's both. Uh, I think it's a bad call, but I think Porzingis should have known better. Um, another interesting thing that we, you have here, Ronnie, is you know Luka Doncic had 42 last night. To, I think it's the most ever in a playoff debut in NBA history. Do you think Luka Doncic is going to be the best player in the NBA um, by the next full season? Yeah, you know, you, you assume we'll see how next year goes in terms of is it going to be shortened. But, you know, you're looking at it and he looks like, you know, he had like 11 or 12 turnovers last night, obviously. But he's so magnified. Everything he does is under a microscope. But you can't take deny his ability. And I think at some point he is. But it's going to be depending on if they get some pieces around him because – they're not going to win this year or next year, don't look like. You know, he's going to have right. some games. But he's right on the cusp there, and, and that's interesting because we, we it kind of goes back to what we're saying. You know, the American system, how players g- grow through the grassroots system, through college, to the NBA. You know, uh, Damian Little went to Weber State. Paul George wasn't that well-known coming out of night, going to um, Fresno State. Yeah. You know, is what... Doncic's doing, is it surprising that now one day soon the best player in the league is going to be not going through our system? And maybe there'll be a couple more. I, I think that's an indictment of what we're doing. And, and, and also, it, 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 people can come from various, from various uh, paths to the league. So I, it shouldn't be that, bit, you know, it shouldn't be like, oh, my God, the American system is, 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 is foul. It's not good. Look what we're doing. I think he's just that good of a talent. It just so happens yeah. to be that he's from that portion of the world. Right. Another thing is he's been playing in a professional atmosphere under professional coaching and guidance yeah. and playing against guys that age for how since he was like what, 14, 15, yeah. 16, or whatever it may be. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's an advantage there. That's a huge advantage. Yeah. Uh, and I think the NBA tried to take that step um, with the G League. Um, uh, platform or, or uh, uh, with Jalen Green and that team, yeah, right. I think they're trying to take that to you know get these guys some uh, professional coaching experience and, and games against professional guys, so that kids who want to go you know whether it's one and done um, have another option to play against you know grown competition and be ready physically for the NBA rather than jumping in and having to take a couple of years to get used to the speed and the the strength and the physicality that the league has to offer. Yeah, um, I think I think that makes sense because you look at some really physical guys, and the guy I think about real quick is Shea Cotton. You know, many many years ago, uh, you know, he's six five, two twenty, 
and, and having a few more years of high school left just didn't help him. If he was in some kind of academy program playing against men, it might have improved his ball handling. It might have improved his jumper. He might have had a better chance to, to stick. You know, I think some guys get a little um, complacent or they, they're just not playing against guys good enough on a daily basis. Most great high school players don't play against another great player every single game. Yeah. As we know. And sometimes that could, you know, maybe retard their their uh, development. And that's what makes, you know, some of these guys a little more hungry. So, you know, we well, as we talk about those guys, let, let's let's just talk about it by name real quick. Uh, we have Damian Lillard from Oakland. James Harden, like you said, Artesia. Drew Holiday, Campbell Hall. Clay Thompson, who's now injured. Yep. But he was right there before his injury from, from Santa Margarita. Um. You got Paul George tonight, like as I mentioned, kind of under the radar a bit, and we'll get into that a little bit more later. Russell Westbrook, again, late bloomer, kind of guy who came on in the year, grew another three, four inches, uh, explosive player. Kawhi Leonard, sophomore, didn't start all the time at Canyon Springs, kind of really came on as a junior and then really blew up as a senior. And DeMar DeRozan, who was kind of one of those freaks who was already dunking in middle school like eat with ease and was a four-year player. So, you know, all those guys, you know, are very great players, but how they got there is completely different. Yeah. So, you know, what's your just general take before we bring on Coach Orlando Watkins, uh, Devin, just like of those guys, are you surprised? Is it like, you know, do you kind of see how that could happen? Or do you just think, you know, scouts and people were sleeping on Damian Lillard and, and George? Or is it, hey, you kind of, because you know how it is now, you can kind of see what happened to them. So when I started in the, like when James Harden was in high school, like I was still in high school. So sure. obviously uh, my viewership of these guys, like I would go to all of the uh, CIF, CIF big, big games, uh, go to all the big tournaments like that with, with uh, friends or my dad or whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's, I think, man, I think it's just more of a, of a uh, responsibility on scouts and, uh, college coaches to kind of make sure you see these guys a lot. I think yeah. Drew. I think Drew Holiday was a guy who you knew was going to be that good. Yeah, he, he had was, total command of the game. Yeah, he just, yeah. he just the way when you watched him, you kind of saw that he, the game just kind of slowed down for him, and yeah. he just had that ability to uh, uh, take control of a game and manage a game on both ends of the floor. And that's yeah. what that that really was what I like about him. I didn't see a whole lot of Russell Westbrook in high school, yeah. so I couldn't really tell you much about him. Yeah. Um, Paul George, my high school team went up and played against Knight of Palmdale uh, and Paul George. So saw that firsthand and he was so smooth and he, he could shoot it and create space. You kind of knew he was going to be good. I think with James Harden, people were like, it, his style of play was so different, right? And yeah. People were like, is that going to translate? Like, is he traveling? And, you know, there's still questions now. James Harden's moves, yeah. like, you know, he revolutionized, like, the scoring guard and like all these Euro moves and things like that and took it a step further. Uh, yeah. so kind of knew that Harden had that ability, the scoring ability about him to make it the NBA. I didn't see Damian Lillard once in high school. So um, coach is going to be able to give us some more insight on that. And like you said, DeMar DeRozan, DeMar DeRozan, he had it all. Like he, yeah. he knew he was going to be a guy. Even in ninth grade, you knew he was yeah. pretty good. Athletically, he needed to get yeah, he needed to improve defensively. He kept yeah. improving his IQ and things like that, but his natural ability was all there. He was an NBA athlete by his junior yeah. year yeah. of high yeah. school. 
So very interesting. You know, I was able to see Damian Lillard in a couple in Rebel games, and down at Pepperdine they played um, Silmar, which had the late Tyler Honeycutt. And we'll get more into that with uh with with Coach Watkins. But yeah, I agree with you. You know, with that Artesia team with Lorenzo McLeod, Malik Story, yeah. AJ Gaspor, any of those guys can handle the ball. And then they had Renardo in the middle. So you're right. It was kind of hard to see what type of player James was going to be. You knew he was going to be a good college player, but I mean, to be him, he's one of the greatest scorers in NBA history. That's just crazy to me. And then with Dane Lillard, we're talking about Luca. You can honestly say Dane Lillard's the NBA MVP of the NBA right now, right now yeah. in the bubble. So easily, easily. Yeah, I mean, he's playing with so much confidence. So with all, with all due respect, with that, let's uh, bring in Coach Orlando Watkins so we can get a little bit more on David Lillard. Coach, are you there? Yes. Can you guys hear me? Yes, sir. Yes. Appreciate you joining us, Coach. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you for having me. Uh, let's just get right into it, uh, Coach. Um, now we know, you know, he development came from he transferred in from, and he he was trying to find his right situation that would put him on the path to college. Talk a little bit about his path to get to Oakland High, and when's the first time you've seen him? First time I saw Dane play was in his eighth, going into the ninth grade year. I went to see. Uh, his good friend, cousin, P.J. Taylor, that was coming to Oakland High. So I went to a Rebels game, and um, I saw Dane playing. And P.J. was good. And I thought P.J. was the best player on their team. But everybody else said there was this other kid that was better than P.J. And they weren't talking about Dane. It was another guard that everybody thought was better than Dane and P.J. And after that game, I went to P.J. and I said, hey, where's number one going? He's like, uh, no, actually, I said, hey, where's uh, the best guard going? And he's like, oh, he's going to this other school. I was like, I'm not talking about that guard. I'm talking about, and I was talking about Dane. He yeah. said, oh, that's my cousin. He's going to this other school, Arroyo, in uh, San Lorenzo. Yeah. I was like, well, if you ever want to leave Arroyo, I got a jersey for him over at Oakland High. <laughs> and it, things just happened. He left Arroyo, and he went to St. Joe's. And then after St. Joe's, one day I was in the AU gym. I was watching PJ play and Dame also. And Dame's dad came to me and said, hey, I need to talk to you. Uh-huh. In my head, I'm like, what did I do? I didn't do anything wrong. And he's like, yeah. Dame want to go to Oklahoma. And I was like, well, uh, let's get this done. And he was enrolled in school the next week. And that's how I went. That's how I ended up at Oklahoma. Makes Makes sense. And that's an interesting story, you know. You just never know how, how, how a kid is going to find his way or make his path. And obviously, he, he chose the right path there. Um, you know, as an underclassman, you know, what time period did you see really see his game show improvement? Like, hey, maybe this kid's going to be a D1 player. Uh, at what time was it as an underclassman where you saw, you know, signs that, hey, this kid could be really good? Uh, tell you the truth, his freshman year, I never saw him play, but he made all league in a pretty tough um, league up here in Northern California. He played against Bishop O'Dow and a couple of other Berkeley High in those schools. And as a freshman, he was the leading scorer of the team. 
sophomore year at St. Joe's, he just never got off the bench. But when I went to the AU games in between his freshman and sophomore year, I was like, this kid is special. And then, of course, junior year when he got here, we gave him the ball, and he hit the ground rolling. He led the league in scoring. I was like, he's definitely a D1 player. Gotcha. Um, you know, so he's tracking as a D1 player. He plays that summer with the Rebels as a rising senior. And, you know, what was his line of thinking coming off that live period? So July's over. He's in Vegas. You know, I'm assuming they played in the Adidas Super 64 or whatnot. And, were, you know, was he kind of satisfied where was he at? You know, or did you feel he was getting recruited hard enough? You know, what would you, what do you recall those conversations like, hey, this is, I think, along the lines of thinking of his recruitment? Well, going into that summer, his senior summer, he um, told me I need to go call Ben Braun, who was a coach at Cal at that time. And ben Braun needs to be recruiting me. And I was like, <laughs> I will never, ever call Ben Braun to recruit you because Ben Braun messed up Allende, and I'm not going to let him mess you up. So we're going to yeah. find another school. So he, he always had that chip on his shoulder like, I'm better than this, you know. Yeah. Where where are the big name schools? And his family instilled in him and even at Oakland High we have a saying, Don't get caught up in the big names, get caught up in the school that fits you. And Dame went on a couple of visits and he came back and was like, Weber is where I want to go. And so once he made that decision, it was like, All right, cool, how do we support you on that? And that's what we did. And of course it worked out for him. Yeah, obviously, Coach, that story now tells itself, and Dame's obviously one of the best players in the NBA. Uh, what were the other schools he was considering at that time? Uh, at that time, SMU was looking at him. Santa Clara locally was looking at him. And St. Mary's. And when he went on his visit to St. Mary's, he actually cut that one short. He was like, eh, I'm not going to go there. Interesting. So, you know why that might be? It just didn't really fit him style of play or, or uh, you know? Something, you know something. what? You have to think about it. Patty Mills was there at that time. Yeah, that's and true. And so yep. it's not like he was running from competition, but it's like, I want to get on the court as soon as possible. Yeah. And yeah. so it was just a, a feel for him. He was just like, this isn't the right place for me. And trust me, he would love to see his family, have his family watch every game that he played, but he made the choice that was best for Dane long term. And oh, yeah. it wasn't a short term decision. Yeah, clearly, clearly worked out. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. He got lucky. He, you know, it worked out a little bit. <laughs> so you guys are going into the senior year, and you guys have a pretty good team. And obviously, McClyman's ended up having a really good team. So you guys are eight and two in the OAL. Uh, did you kind of say like, did you see in the summer or the year before? I know they they uh, lost to Fairfax pretty bad in the state final but you think like hey we could we can win this league you know what do you recall about that you guys had one uh game where they got you bad then one close close one where you guys lost by three points you know were you guys you know how, how did those games go and what do you recall about going into that senior year uh the senior year we had high hopes and um we had a loaded team we just didn't have a lot of size but we had a bunch of guards and actually, at the beginning of the year, Dame and TJ both had to sit them for like four games because they both were injured. So by the time we rolled into OAL, we weren't still at full strength because, you know, they hadn't fully got their legs under them. Sure. And uh, the, the first time we played McClyman, they were a juggernaut team. They went undefeated. They won state that year. 
Yeah. And we just stunk it up that first night. But then the the second time we played them, it was probably one of the greatest games I've ever been privileged to see on any level. We were playing outside. And we, you know, it was one of those games where we need this win. And game was trying to will us to the win. And we just came up short. Long story short, we got cheated. Uh, game got fouled three times. Uh, and on the third foul, the ball shoots to his teammate and his teammate misses a wide open layup. And then they go down and hit a three at the buzzer to win it. And to this day, I, I see that ref because he's still a referee. And I'm like, man, you owe me dinner. You called me <laughs> that one, that one victory against Mac that year they went undefeated. And his response was, yeah, the game got fouled, but the ball ended up in Dondrell's hand. He's supposed to make that layup. We didn't want to, you know, blow that whistle. I'm like, no, you blow that whistle because I want Dame shooting the free throws. Obviously, I don't want Dondrell shooting the layup because he missed it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a funny story, you know, and just to give some, some backdrop of there, you know, that team, you know, they will cherry Demario Sims. Frank Otis was a beast up front. Damon Powell's like Damon Powell, Damon Powell. Just was on another level, like mentally. He just wanted to destroy anything in front of them. Like they're just, they're, they're mental. So they had a great season. And what I remember about that season is when you guys went down, cause I wanted to see the game. Cause again, you guys are playing in the OAL and I'm down here in Southern California is the game at Pepperdine. And, and Devin, it was always like that. Like, you know, the big game was Taft versus Dominguez. Yeah. And like you said, Dominguez lost to, to McClymans in the state final. And you had uh, Larry Drew Jr. And he's going up against Dominguez, which, you know, ha- had Cartwright and had Jordan Hamilton and, and, and Robert Mandingo, those guys. It was a big game. And I remember that Oakland game was earlier, and they won that game against Tyler Honeycutt. So, Coach, you know, you had uh, Brandon Jennings who had a great summer. And he was at Oak Hill. You had Drew, as we mentioned earlier, Larry Drew, who played in the McDonald's game. Did Dame always feel like, damn, I'm never going to get, like, I can't get over the hump on these dudes? Or did you ever feel like that? Like, you know, this is crap. These guys in Southern California get a bunch <laughs> of shine. They play in the 8 o'clock game. We have to play in the 4 o'clock game. Did you ever feel that way? Or was, like, that not even an issue? You guys weren't even worried about that. Well, the reason why I start going down to SoCal is because I needed my kids to be seen and, you know, for people like you guys to have write-ups on the Northern California kids. So it was definitely planned, knowing that we were going to be good, knowing Dan and PJ were being recruited, uh, that we wanted to go down to L.A. and play. And so it just worked out that we didn't get that headline game, but it was a heck of a game, and I think Tyler, uh, I'm sorry, Silmar was uh, shocked that we could play the game and we were small and we just battled and we won the game. But Dame's look on it is the same as most of the people's moments. We're better than that. We, yeah. He's not better than me. So yeah. let's go play. And that, we really wanted the game with um, Larry Drew. So Dame could go against Larry Drew, but, you know, they gave us Silmar. So we were okay. We take it. We'll take the win. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it, it, that, it's it's just funny that it works out like that because Larry Drew and Jeremy Anderson went to Canyon were, were on that pump team and they were the number one, like they were their number one team and they were in the backcourt. Mm-hmm. And on the number two team was Paul George and, and Clay Thompson for the pumps. <laughs> so you just don't, you know, you just sometimes it doesn't work out or, you know, obviously it worked out for those two guys, but you just sometimes those, those how those things work and, and, I know that sometimes a lot of Northern California players feel that way. So I was just kind of wondering what you thought. But, yeah, I, I could imagine Dame wanted to play against Larry Drew because he, yeah. just, 
you know, Brandon didn't like Larry Drew, and some other guys just didn't really like him. Just, you know, whether it was his name, his dad played in the NBA, that type of thing. He was a good high school guard, and he gave teams fits, and he gave Dominguez fits, but, you know, it, it's just one of those things how it works out. So, um, now nah, we, we wanted it because we thought we had the best backcourt in the state, if not the nation, because we had Dame and PJ. So, um, we always look to go down to LA, even now. I look for LA teams to play, but now we started our tournament, the Dane Lillard tournament up here. So now I'm trying to get LA teams to come play us here, which last year, um, Compton High came up and won the tournament. So Lamar and, uh, Dame, of course, have the same agent. So we hooked it up for them to come up here and they won. So I'm always looking for LA kids. I mean, LA teams to come up here or we'll come down here. Nice. Nice. Coach, you, have you ever had any college coaches that you talk to on a regular basis or or just randomly hit you up like, man, we should have recruited Damian Lillard harder or or we missed on that one? Do you ever get those calls or texts? You know what? People don't like to admit their mistakes. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. Nobody's called me or said that, but a lot of coaches have said, hey, that Lillard kid, he's special. And in my head, I'm like, yeah, he's been special. You guys just don't believe it. Because, you know, he doesn't pass the eye test coming out of high school. He was maybe six foot, if that. But he's still dunking on people. He's still shooting threes. Nobody's guarding him. And I'm looking at him like, these coaches are crazy. And Dane's thing, his first game that I saw at um, Sac State, he was playing at Weber. And he played the game. They won. And he ran the team, and he came to me like, Watkins, I told you I could play point guard. I was like, dang, you're a basketball player. You just play basketball. All right? You don't have to worry about a position. And I was like, you passed up six shots. What's up with that? He's like, nah, I was trying to make sure everybody else, you know, got their touches. I'm like, no, you do you. You're not a selfish player. You'll find people when they're open. Don't overthink this. And I think that's what you see in the NBA now. The other day, he could have took a mid-range jumper, but he threw it out to Carmelo for yep. uh, uncontested three. Yep. And so, you know, Mr. Bayless, the idiot that he is, you know, <laughs> trying to say that, oh, who makes that pass? Well, the person that's playing basketball the right way makes that pass. And exactly. he wouldn't know because he never played basketball. Right. That's the same thing people do to LeBron when he makes those passes. Yeah. It's like, you're the best player on the team. You should be taking that shot. No, I drove to the paint, you know, drew the, the help defender and kicked it to a wide open shooter. They need to make that shot. Um, as far as... Dame's development from a high school player to a college player to now an NBA all-star. What uh, progressions did you see uh, on those three levels that turned him into the player that he is today? Well, the same thing that Dame is doing in uh, the NBA he did in high school. Okay. Now, he, he would go off for 50. He would go off for 30. He'll go off for 10. But he'll still be playing defense and finding his teammates. I think the the biggest change in game has been his physique. You know, he's he's bigger now, of course, uh, a little bit stronger. But also mentally, I think he became more a student of the game when he was injured at Weber State. Okay. You know, when it's like that's when you go from, uh, do I go out tonight or do I go put up the shots? And true story, on his 21st birthday, he was in the gym shooting around. You know, this was right before the draft. And I was like, dang, man, I'm going to take you out and buy you a first drink for dinner. Let's go. It's your birthday. And he was like, nah, I'm good. I'm just going to stay in here working these jumpers. And I was just like, okay. And then 
that's what you're going to do. So, nah, he, his his mental changed that junior year. I mean, the junior year before he got hurt, it okay. started to change. But once he got hurt, it was like, okay, I have to take this to another level. Gotcha. You know, Coach, um, you know, he scored 68 points in an NBA game. Uh, I, I imagine if people at Oakland High or fans of, of OAL ball, you know, be – be hard to imagine that he can do that and be one of the best or not the best guard in the NBA. Um, you know, on a scale of one to ten, with ten being the most surprising, how much does his current success surprise you? People always ask me, did I know he was going to be an NBA All-Star and, you know, one of the top players in the world? And my response was, after his first college game, I knew he would get paid to play basketball. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't know it was going to be all NBA type basketball until his rookie year. And once he, he did his rookie, he did his thing in the rookie year. I was like, nah, Dame's going to be special. Everybody else is going to be able to see it. So, yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, that's an amazing story. You know, just, uh, you know, I'm just thinking back to the names. I'm looking at the all state team. I'm glad we put them all state. He was third team all state, Devin. Uh, he probably should have been second team all state. Now that I'm looking at it, you messed, you messed that one up, man. Yeah. So, because I'm looking at the guards, Will Brew from St. Mary's of Berkeley. Great uh, kid, great kid. But Dame destroyed him when we played against him. <laughs> we beat him in, in overtime. No, great kid. I know Will. I know his family. Yeah. Awesome kid. We destroyed him. Go no, ahead. No. <laughs> this is this is your time to to get back at Ronnie. Just take yeah. every shot that you, you know. All no, because. Shot. I'm not getting back at Ronnie. Branson, you know. No, no. This, these, these are the things that Dame used to motivate him. Good. And so, if Ronnie didn't do that, you know, maybe Dame doesn't end up wearing that. So, I, I, he loves doubters. I love doubter. Um, McNally from uh, Branson, yeah. great guy. Guess what? Dame destroyed him too in the summer league. So it's like <laughs> <laughs> we knew all this stuff, and we're looking at it like, wait. You destroyed him, by the way. Hey, wait, yeah, we beat him too. So now, it's 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 these are the things that legends are made of, and people look back and be like, "Wow, I did play against him," or "Wow, I did beat him." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's just very interesting how the media, like you know, puts together teams and how you think back. I you know it's twelve, thirteen years ago. Like I'm reading this first team. Jeremy Anderson was the Orange County Player of the Year over Clay Thompson by the Red I'm like, why is that? <laughs> now that I'm looking back yep. at it. Because he had a great game with Chase Tapley from Sacramento yep. High. And Chase Tapley was good, Devin. I mean, he was good. Yeah. He was San Diego State, yeah. Yeah. Yep. You know, he he can shoot that ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, he kind of had some injuries. I don't know if his college career went the way he, he probably wanted to or, or what people projected, but uh, you know, yeah, I think Dame should have been on second team. I could see why he didn't make first team, but I, I think he should be on second team. Now that I look back at it, <laughs> you, know, like, you know, you know what? We'll leave that in the past. Don't worry yeah. about it. Yeah, it's 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 great because Paul George is on none of these teams. That's crazy. Right. You know. It's well, crazy. I was listening. I'm sorry. I was listening to you guys talk, and it's just like there's different roads to the NBA, yeah. and a lot of the guys that go to the big name schools don't make it. It's the yep. smaller schools, and and I'm not saying make it as superstars, that, but have long careers. They always say, well, Dame is a mid-major, and CJ is a mid-major, and they're doing great. There's a lot of mid-majors that are actually playing the NBA for 10 years or 12 yep. years, and you just don't know because it's like 
you didn't go to Duke. Uh, it's cool. I got my 12-year career. I'm fine without going to Duke. Yeah. yeah. A guy like C.J. McCollum, who's Dame's teammate, I mean, he was like a 5'3 freshman. There's that There's that picture that always comes up of him, like, looking like he's four feet tall on the court, you know, 80 pounds. Right. Now he's, you know, among the best guards in the league. So the reason we wanted to have you on, Coach, is to kind of shine a light on there is, you know, different paths to the league there you don't have to be a high school superstar uh, uh day one you know varsity starter to uh you, you know forge your path you don't have to go to duke you don't have to go to north carolina you don't have to go to a blue blood um to make the nba and we, we really appreciate your time uh take what plug your plug your tournament again coach before we let you go uh give us the, the the name of it the dates and and how people can get in contact with you if they're interested in going up there to play in it well, it's uh, the Damian Lillard Classic, of course, um, and it's normally a Christmas time uh, tournament, but okay. because of COVID, of course, we have to move it to April this year because, you know, okay. they push back the start date. Yep. So it's April 7th through 10th at Oakland High. Okay. Sounds yep. good. If anybody, any SoCal teams, coaches, players listening, uh, hit up Coach Orlando Watkins at Oakland High School. Um, to get into that tournament. Coach, we appreciate your time, man, and uh, hope you're staying safe and healthy. Thank you guys for having me. Hope you guys are doing the same. Appreciate it, man. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate it. Alrighty, have a good one. So you you hear those stories, and (laughs) it's funny. Will Brew was a good player at St. Mary's Eye in Berkeley. Uh, He went to UC Santa Barbara. So, you know, you look back at this team. I'm looking at the D1 all-state team. Obviously, we have 30 on the overall, Devin. Kind of the same format we have now, right? Yeah. And, and uh, I'm thinking, okay, like we said, Rancho Verde with Michael Schnair, who was a junior, beat Knight of Palmdale in that southern section. I think it's two double-A final. But th- those teams were going D1 in the regional. That's when that's when Tom Simmons was trying to keep Dinos out of the uh, yeah. uh, hospitality room, right? Yep, yep. So here's the team for D1, 20 players. <laughs> So, you know, Jeremy Anderson, Oscar Belfield from Westchester, Bryce Cartwright from Dominguez, Larry Drew, Edric Ellis from Etiwanda, Jordan Hamilton, Chris Jones from Newark Memorial, Malcolm Lee, who was a McDonald's All-American, yeah. Damian Lillard, Frank Otis, who was McClyman's best player, Eugene Phelps from Taft, who went to Long Beach State. Yep, yep, he was good. good. Good player. Damon Powell, who was the, the monster for McClyman's, you know, their intensity guy. James Rahan from Torrey Pines. Yep. Renardo Sidney. Chris Solomon from Fairfax. Two guys from Fairfax. Brandon Smith from De La Salle, who was a really good high school player. Michael Snare, who we mentioned already. Jeremy Tyler from San Diego, who was only a sophomore. Yep. Julian Welch from Franklin of Elk Grove, who was a good scoring guard up north. And Eric Weiss from ML King, Kawhi Leonard. Weiss. Yep. Teammates. So, Devin, if you're just looking through that list, who do you knock off for for Paul George, who lost to Michael Snare? Maybe if they win that game, he's on for Michael Snare. You know, I mean, that was Michael Snare's junior year. You know, who do you knock off? Right. You know, I mean, looking back at it, maybe you could knock off Julian Welch from Franklin. Maybe. That's, you know, that's on you. You picked the teams. That's on you to tell me. Yeah. I was. I was. I think. Yeah, high school then, so yeah. you, you got to tell me. Yeah, but as, I, as the point is, as I mentioned those names, you know at least 17 or 18 can't come off for, for Paul George. No, yeah, I get, I get, I get what you're saying. Um, yeah. yeah, but again, it, like, like this whole show is about, it's it's about Yeah, uh, you don't have to be on a California All-State team to 
to make the NBA. That's really what the point of this is, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and how they get there, correct. Exactly. You know, um, you know, it's funny, we talk about Lillard, and as we talk about James Harden, and, you know, they, they, they're in a matchup. You know, Devin, what do you think about that 4-5 matchup, and can any team break into the into the semifinals of this bubble with, you know, Toronto, Milwaukee, the Lakers, and the Clippers? You know, what do you think about those three, four, five seeds and what do you think about that 4-5 matchup with Houston and, and Oklahoma City? Well, it's always interesting to have, you know, uh, two former OKC players going up against their old team. But yeah. um, it's, it's amazing to see what Chris Paul has done with the Thunder and uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander is a fantastic player. Um, he wasn't, you know, the, as highly regarded as some of his, his Kentucky teammates who came out in that same draft, but he's proven to be really, really good. Um Denver in the West is who I like as a three seed. Uh, I, I love Jamal Murray. He's he's just one of those guys who has that mindset, that killer instinct that he's going to come come out there and, and take your heart. Great shooter. Um, he's really developed as a as a playmaking point guard out of the, the pick and roll. And um, obviously Nikola Jokic is one of the best big men in the league, versatile. Um, and if Michael Porter Jr. continues to play the way he's been playing in the bubble, uh, I think they're pretty dangerous. Um, I like Boston as a three seed in the East, even though Gordon Hayward is out four weeks with an ankle injury. Um, Jalen Brown's development has been impressive. Jason Tatum's obviously one of the best young scorers in the league. Yeah. And if Hayward can come back healthy and they can get through Philadelphia, I think Boston has has every single piece to make a run at the play at the uh, at the finals. Um, another team I like in the East is is Miami, a five seed. Uh, Jimmy Butler, fantastic two way player. Uh, Bam Adebayo is one of the most improved players in the league, big time defender and and uh, guy who's a pick and roll guy, you know. Yeah. Bob dunks and he's improved his back to the bass game a little bit. Um, and T- Tyler Hero, another Kentucky guy who is you know making his mark on the league. And those are kind of the three teams I like outside of the the, the top, top four teams in in each respective conference. Yeah. And you know as we're t- and and as we're talking about building there, you know, it'd be interesting to see with that four or five. You know, you talk about we talk about James, and we we talk about those guys that used to be in Oklahoma City, and 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 you mentioned earlier C.J. McCollum was like five foot two, yeah, you know, whatever, in in his high school freshman, and you know James Harden is you look at his body now, he's real thick, broad shoulders. You know, James was maybe he didn't have a little bit of on the chubby side. It was five ten, maybe one fifty, uh, Devin, and he was a it was a pretty good young player, but we're going to bring on his high school coach, Scott Farrer now, who is now the head coach at Rice, and we want to try to talk about his growth and development. And it's funny, I have a, a, a little background to that. Is His brother was a terrific athlete, um, Devin, and his brother's name is Keely Roberson. I used to ride a school bus with him. He went to Lock High School, played a little basketball, but he was an option quarterback. Okay. And he was terrific, a terrific athlete, six foot, threw the deep ball well, can run, you know, your typical Nebraska, Colorado type yeah. quarterback. Yeah. You know, and he, he uh, ended up at Kansas and it, it, it didn't really work out for him the way he wanted to. But, um, you know, and obviously his younger brother, it's worked out for him. So, uh, Coach Perry, do we have you on the line now? Hey, Ronnie, how you how you doing? I'm doing good, Coach. I appreciate you got joining us on the In the Paint Show. Thank you for your time. You know, we've been talking about the various um, – Southern California and California players who are who are 
doing well in this NBA bubble and just doing well in general. And it's just amazing yeah. that there's eight players in the NBA, maybe of the top 20, that are from California. And, and you know, when you talk about James, Drew Holiday, Damian Lillard, Clay, Paul George, Russell Westbrook, Kawhi, and DeMar DeRozan. I mean, could you, could you ever fathom that? Like, you know, you were around in the high school scene then and, and recruiting some of these guys a little later. Did you ever fathom that? Like, could you see that? Well, well for, you know, I, I can tell you, you know, firsthand, I, I was also part of the staff, one of the staffs that, that made the mistakes on Clay Thompson and Paul George. So, um, uh, I'm not afraid to, you know, ad- admit when you, you, you just, you, you miss, you know, on, on some of these guys and, and you don't see that uh, potential down the road. And, uh, so, you know, but, but I'm also not that surprised either. Cause, you know, when I was at ASU and James and was in the league and Derek, Derek was on the team as well. I mean, I think, I think the stat was 19 or 21 guys drafted in the first two, first round of those two years. I mean, so, so there had to be a bunch of guys from California for that to occur. And so there was just guys on a nightly basis that just were just tremendous, tremendous players. Yeah. Go ahead, Devin. Uh, Coach, Coach, what was your first impression? Uh, when did you see James first play? And what was your first impression on you know, his, his game and how he, he might be able to develop into the player that, uh, that you had at Artesia? Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I saw him, I, you know, just brutal. Not even like knowing who he was, just a you know this kid who's on this you know whatever eighth grade team, you know playing playing in the gym and you know he didn't stand out in any way. You know I, he could shoot. Um, you know at that point he he wasn't tall, he wasn't quick, um, he hadn't displayed that handle yet. Um, so what I what I remember of him early was that if he was open, he'd shoot it from his hip, but he could make it. <laughs> um, <laughs> And, and, and so it was, you know, then as he, then as even, that was probably, you know, July, August. And by the time January, December, January roll around his freshman year, um, you know, I started putting him in the starting lineup and, you know, he, he may probably even grew an inch since the summer. And, you know, he, but he, but he basically was a catch and shoot guy that year. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then, you know, then we just started changing and working on his game, but, but he also, his body changed. Um, and as his body changed, that all those fundamental things that he learned playing on the ground really paid off because then he became more athletic and he could do both. And I tell people that all the time. James didn't learn to play in the air like some of these young kids. Right. He, he learned to play on the ground. He jump stopped. He ball faked. He took charges. He whatever it took. And so th- that's a big part of his develop- development that people miss. Mm-hmm. Yes, that. That's a great point about learning to play on the ground and learning to control your body as you're growing into your body. So going into yep. the sophomore year, you guys have a, still have a young team. You have some good talent. Yep. You guys have a breakthrough of sorts, and you go to the regional final against St. Augustine. I know he. I know you were not happy about that game. He wasn't happy, <laughs> but he had a, a good season. You know, it's kind of a breakthrough. Yep. So where did he, you know, um, where was at that point where, where he was showing in, in improvement and you know, what was his mindset well, about that time that was it's going to show that he was going to be a pretty damn good high school player? Well, you could see things in practice that year. Like like James, you know, he's his basketball mind is, is brilliant. Um, obviously, the way he's changed the NBA game and had rules changed because of him <laughs> is how smart he is. But even as a young kid, I could see his IQ. And I could see him seeing things developing on the court that other kids didn't see. Now, I didn't know that meaning to be an NBA player. <laughs> all, all I was happy is that he could help my high school team. 
um, and, and that he was going to be, you know, and, and so I could see those things. I knew a lot of things had to happen for him to, you know, get, you know, play high major college basketball and become a pro. And, and fortunately, they did happen. But at that point, that was the furthest thing from my mind. I know it was on his, and it's on every kid's, right? I mean, I don't recruit a kid at Rice that doesn't think they want to play in the NBA. I mean, and, sure. and so James certainly had that desire and dream, as is told by the story of the note he left his mom and all that stuff. And, and so, you know, and but as he matured and started to learn to work harder, you know, after his sophomore year, I knew then we had a chance to make, you know, he could be a pretty good player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So he goes into his junior year and, you know, he, he really coming on. Now he's one of the better players in Southern yep. California. Um, what areas did he improve on? And, and did you think, okay, I think he may be – now maybe you didn't tell him or tell his family, <laughs> but you're like, think, okay, maybe this guy might be able to play in the NBA. You know, what did okay. he improve and did you yeah. think that yet? So, so, so here, here's a little, little story of that progression. Because the beginning of his junior year, he started slow. N- not, not slow because he was playing poorly slow because he was being so unselfish. Um, and like I saw in the all season, the growth of him, you know, being able to put, you know, make shots now, create his own shot, do these things. Yeah. We, when we started the season, the first eight games or so, he was deferring so much. And, and I've told this story. We, we lost our only game. We lost all year. We lost, you know, in this championship game in this uh, tournament in, in uh, slam dunk to the beach in overtime. And we were flying back on the plane, and I had the box score in my hand. And I think he had taken like six or eight shots in the game. And I told my staff, I said, this is all my fault. <laughs> I mean, this kid can't be shooting that few of shots. I mean, he's shooting 56 from the floor, 45 from three. I mean, so I sat with James, and I told him. I said, look, man, you you, you got to be more aggressive. Well, I want to be a good teammate, Coach. I, I know you do, James, but you got to be more aggressive. And when we got off that plane and we started playing those league games, Ronnie, if you go back and look at those 10, 12, 14 games after that, the explosion. I mean, it, he just, then he realized he couldn't be stopped. <laughs> and and that and that's where it really all started, probably January of his junior year. Okay. That's a, that's where, where a I believe, story. Where yeah. I believed he'd be a high major college basketball player. I didn't think of the pros yet. I didn't. I just knew how hard, and, I, and I'm very, you know, stay in the moment guy and, you know, just try and get him better and, you know, keep his circle closed tight. And you know what I mean? I wasn't thinking of all those things. I just wanted him to, to reach his potential. Yeah. Coach, you look now in, in the NBA and like you said, he's, he's changed rules with his footwork and just kind of the craftiness of his game. And people are like, damn, is that a, is that a travel or what, what the hell is going on? He's developing, he's developing all these different like moves and, yeah. and, and footwork cadences and things like that. What, in high school, was he doing those things, and did refs struggle no. with the way he played, or no? No, he was okay. not doing that stuff, and, and <laughs> he, you know, and he just he wasn't. I mean, you know, he would make great plays. He was a sure. terrific player. He was a terrific player, but he wasn't doing those things with the ball, like you know, sixteen times between his legs, and, <laughs> and but, 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 you know, but what he did do, and what he learned to do, and what he became great at in college, and 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 now is maybe the best in the world at it is playing off the defender's balance points. Okay. And like J- James, James, like the guy in front of him doesn't exist, right? He, he sees the other eight and, and, and but if when the guy in front of him is off balance, doesn't matter at any, any pinpoint bounce, he's by him. And that's why he doesn't have to be lightning quick. Yeah. What, what James is, what James's athletic skill is, and I'm sure you've seen this on the ESPN stuff, is his ability to start and stop quickly. Mm-hmm. His ability to decelerate from full speed 
is better than like any athlete in the world. It's, it's, it's absurd. Mm-hmm. And it's so little talked about, but I remember when ESPN did that, did that, that little, you know, they do those, whatever those scientific things on it. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. they showed this. And I was like, wow, that is unbelievable. And so that's how the Euro started. And that's how all, the, and now he has all these, this, this level of ball handling, which is insane. Um, with him to be able to have realize these balance points and his ability to stop quickly, he's unguardable. You cannot guard him one on one. You just can't. Yeah. It's phenomenal to watch. I pinch myself. It's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, coach. What I remember is that because you guys had other good ball handlers, whether it was AJ yep. Pruitt, and then the next year they had Lorenzo McLeod, and you have Malik Story. Any of them could push the ball. Guys could fill lanes. You're kind of interchangeable, so to piggyback Devin's question, I just think you guys try to get the easiest bucket and try to get transition buckets, from what I recall. And whoever, yeah, any guy can yeah, push his, it and 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 yeah. to finish it, kind of. And in his junior year, the year we were, you know, thirty-three and one, um, and you know, we were. I mean, that team was, you know, Derek was a, a phenomenal point guard. Yeah, and, and and we played Chantel at the five, but when Chantel can only play half the game. So James would actually we play five guards, and he would guard one of the Lopez twins, and he fouled him out, and I mean, he was he he was amazing. But he you know he only averaged eighteen points a game as a junior and senior in high school, guys. Yeah, yeah, eighteen. That's hard. Like you know, it's like that old joke: who's the only guy that could hold down Michael Jordan, Dean Smith? Well, maybe Scott Perry was the only guy that could hold down James Harden. <laughs> Coach, so, Coach handcuffing James in high school. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, I think, and it goes to show, like we're saying how good of a team they play with. You guys were the best team in the state his junior and senior year with slightly different uh, personnel, but, and honestly, you had gone on to, to, a, yep. to ASU. So, you know, James, along with Taylor King, was the best yep. senior prospects going into that year. So, but on a national scale, as you mentioned, maybe those guys, you know, learn to play in the air. Maybe the scouts are watching the guys that are, are little high flyers. They're, they weren't thought of in the same breath as O.J. Mayo, Derek Rose, Kevin Love, Eric Gordon. That's nope. a great class. But, oh, you know, yeah. it's a terrific class, as you know. Um, but, you know, he was also much younger than Taylor. And he was a lot younger than O.J. He was a lot younger than a lot of those guys. You know, uh, Probably almost two years. You're right. Yeah. Probably two almost two years. Yeah, James is on the younger side of those guys. So yep. do you think the scouts maybe missed that in, in, in their evaluation in terms of where he was placed in terms of they, they kind of missed his upside there? Or do you just think, hey, those guys were just great high school players. It is what it is. Uh, I, look, yeah, I, I think those guys were great high school players and not necessarily comparing them to them, yeah. but just in the overall scheme of it. You know, he came on so late, people then started like kind of <laughs> trying to backtrack and get in get in late when it was, you know, already – you know, probably a done deal that he was going to follow. Come with me, and 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 they were all trying. You know, UCLA's and and, and SC, and you know, they were all trying to scramble. Like, oh no, you know, he's really the guy we wanted. You know, James, like I said, James is a smart guy, <laughs> and and he was like, coach, no, 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 I'm not. I wasn't, you know, wasn't the priority, and 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 uh, and so he told me he'd come with me, and obviously, it, 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 I was just really thrilled it worked out. But you know, because of his lack of you know explosion or quickness and. And his ball handling wasn't, you know, people, and this is a long time ago now, right? But for people to realize his ball handling wasn't like it is now. And, and so people probably just thought, you know, he's a second, you know, tier to those five, seven guys you named. Yeah. Um, but, but James just kept, just kept working and, and eventually, I guess, had gone by them all. <laughs> yeah. 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 For sure. Coach, um, take, take us I mean, back to, take much, us back. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
No, I'm just saying, like, how many straight years is now? He's a, he's a finalist for MVP. Right. Six in a row yeah. or five? Yeah. yeah. No, he's what he, he does. What he does in the basketball court is just just amazing. Um, yeah. Take us back to ASU. He he uh, goes there, and you were there. Um, yep. Take us through kind of his his college mindset, uh, work ethic. Did he start developing the tools we see now at that level? Yeah, certain things. Yeah, he he he. Yeah, you know, he as a freshman, you know, his confidence was, you know, was just off the charts. Like he, you know, he he knew he could get where he wanted to on the basketball court. And then if you can get to a spot you want on the court, you can pretty much dictate, you know, offensively what what you want to do. And and because he could shoot it so well, it was just a tremendous combination. And then I kind of remember, like for me, the crowning kind of like moment where I said, okay, like this kid's going to be a you know top ten pick uh, in the NBA draft someday. Is, is when we were playing Arizona at home his freshman year, and he had a fifth year senior, uh, Juwan McCollum. If you guys remember, I mean, tough, yeah, <laughs> tough. Six four defender, fifth year senior, twenty two, twenty three years old, and James just gave it to him, mm-hmm. and and and, I, and, I, and we ended up winning in overtime, I think. And I'm like, wow, you know, I, that was kind of the wow. Even though he'd already earlier this season, you know, had some great games, but that was where I was like, okay, he's going against a grown man, and 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 they can't stop him, and they know he's going left, and he's going left, and you can't do anything about it. <laughs> yeah. and, so, coach, how big was it? Like we said, we're comparing him to the guys in his class. So so Derrick Rose leaves, goes one, you know, OJ yeah. goes three, Kevin Love goes five. And, you know, did James have any thoughts of putting his name in that hat? Or did he say, no, what, I'm not going to follow that path. I know my path. If I come back one more year, I, I could be as good as or better than those guys. You know, what was the thought process there after that first year? Again, a credit to James and his and his maturity um, because he, he knew – uh, emotionally and maturity-wise, he wasn't ready for that. Now, I sat him down. I had talked to people, obviously, in the NBA. I was told what number he wouldn't go past, right? Mm-hmm. I put that in. I put that on paper in, in money terms. If he came back and was a top three or five pick and handed him the paper, he looked at me and said, I'm coming back. <laughs> so, he, yeah, but I think he already, in his mind, knew he was coming back. Um because he just wasn't he uh, he, he maturity wise he, he didn't, I don't think he was ready for that and, he, and the other thing is he liked ASU he liked his teammates he liked playing with Derek obviously we were gonna have a good team yeah and life was good <laughs> life was good you know and and he needed another year to develop all that stuff and and again it's a credit to his his maturity and his intelligence because obviously it, it, it worked mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so you're you know now. You know, take a little bit, like you said, you kind of explained him the stop and starts. You explained, um, you know, is it is that what makes him such a lethal offensive player, or is it is it too in his mentally, or is it just, or is it just that his first step in ball handling is so much better than people give it credit for that they just they can't comprehend it. You know, what is the main I think thing there combination, Ronnie? I think it's all those things. Yeah. I think it's his brilliant basketball mind. I think it's his incredible ball handling ability, his strength. His ability to change directions and change speeds, um, and and look, and his ability to be a good shooter because you got to guard him. I mean, all, so it's all those things, and 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 I guess that makes sense to some extent because if you're going to be called, like it's just shit, like crazy to say these things, but if you're going to be called one of the greatest scorers of all time, mm-hmm. um, which, which I guess on the end of the day is going to be, yeah, um, 
then you you got to have a variety of of ways to do those things. And and he's got to keep being creative as he gets older, and he will. And that's why he'll last because he's so damn creative. Yeah, yeah. I think with James now in the NBA, what what gets lost um, is his playmaking for others, and it, it's interesting. Oh. It's interesting how you go back to high school and you say, you know, he was too passive. <laughs> Um, in, in that stretch that you mentioned where he was taking six or eight shots a game and creating for others. So when you hear a guy like like Bill Simmons or whoever it may be say that, you know, James Harden gets cheap assists, what like what does that even mean, first of all? And did, do you, do you kind of, <laughs> does, does that kind of does that kind of bother you a little bit? Because you know, you yeah. know what kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. It, it it does because it's it, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, yeah. in other words, not not only not only has he changed NBA rules, right? Okay. Walking, not walking. How about the three-point field goal? How about the three-point shot? Now, he doesn't get the three-point shots anymore like he used to get. He changed right. that rule. I mean, think about it. He changed the rules. Now, the yeah. second thing is, people have never, like, I've been watching NBA basketball for over 40 years, maybe 45 years. I have never seen defenses guard another player like they guard James Harden. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, how about the night three is twenty in the first quarter? And they just start running at him at midcourt. Yeah, yeah, it's like I a mean, hard double as soon he, as he gets across half court. <laughs> it's unbelievable. How about the Jazz last year in the playoffs? They played behind him. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. I, I forgot about they, that. Some teams play. Some teams play on his side. Some yeah. teams trap. I mean, no team. No, I mean, I'm sorry, no player. And I'm not saying he's like he's Michael Jordan to me is the greatest player of all time. But but no player has been has had to face what he's faced. Mm-hmm. And so in my opinion, he's still way underappreciated and guys make comments like that. It's just because they have to have a job and have to say things because if, if, if he think if, if James played with guys like, like JJ Redick and, and like guys that shot 45% from three. Right. You get 20. What would you do? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, 20 because they're so wide open. It's like, it's like being in your driveway, right? <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's like, like jumpers and you're not, there's there's nobody near you. It's like a it's like a 24 hour fitness defense where you know a guy yeah. can't go left, so you just shade him left. You just use force into his left hand and you can't do anything about it. Like that's how they play James, it, but he he's so good offensively that it doesn't matter which way he goes. No, no, and and here's the other thing that's lost, fellas. This guy now, I, I got to get the number right, but okay. So we've already talked about five or six years in a row, top three in MVP voting, right? He's been robbed of at least one of those. I should say two, but I'll say one of be conservative. Okay? He's led the NBA in scoring three years in a row, and he led the NBA in assists <laughs> three yeah, years true. ago. Yeah, he's I mean, in it, it's, it's, it's unbelievable what he's done, and he's underappreciated, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. That's, and and that's I think it goes back a little to what you said. You know, Derrick Rose was a young MVP. He came in with that group. He's, he's always going to be more in that group, you know, a bit to like how, you know, wow, look at how good he is. Yeah, he really is that good. Like you said, he really did pass those guys up. And they're and they're great players in their in their own yeah, life. Yeah, you know, sure. Hurt. It's no knock on them. Yeah. No, they're good players. I mean, yeah. even Eric Kevin Gordon Love's a great player. I mean, good Eric Gordon, great player. Yeah, these guys are really good players. No doubt Coach. about it. Now, Coach, let's, let's take a look at some self-reflection, like as you would say. You're looking, now we're speaking about you. Um, you know, you're a high school coach and you're from Pennsylvania and you come to LA and you, you work with great players. There's a lot of great players in the region. And then you go to college, as you said, what did you learn by missing on Paul George or a couple other guys <laughs> that maybe you wish you could? What, what do you know now as a rice head coach 
that you didn't know when either James was in at Artesia or, or your first year at ASU? You know, what do you look for now, or what do you see that maybe you didn't see then that helps you as a as, as a college head coach? That's a great question, and, and I've learned a lot. And I think one of the things I've learned best is something that Mike Bray at Notre Dame said years ago. You, you can't get caught up in who's what and who's ranked where. You've got to recruit guys that fit you. Mm-hmm. Not, not only fit you as a coach, fit your school and fit your system. And, and so that's what I think we found our niche at, Ronnie. We've been pretty good at identifying guys that aren't getting high major offers, uh, developing yeah. them. Now, unfortunately, some of them have transferred. But they, but they transferred to Virginia, Florida State, and USC and Vanderbilt. Yeah. So, okay. So I, my point, I, so I think we're doing something right. It's frustrating to lose them, but but that that resonated with me what Coach Bray said years ago. So that's what we try and do here. I tell my staff that all the time. Now, we're not compromising. We we need terrific students that care about the Rice degree, that that are high character young men, and. You know, that can play the way we want to play. A fast, wide open style where we, you know, push the ball and, and that's obviously fun to recruit because kids, you know, kids like to play that way and that helps us too, you know? Yeah. Coach, your, your latest SoCal guy is Damien McDowell. Uh, you, not, you can't comment on him, but, uh, no. that's, yep, that's a nice pickup. Uh, we like Damien here from St. Bernard. Um, last thing for you, coach, before we go, AJ Gaspora is our guy and we need a, <laughs> we need a breakdown of A.J. Gaspora, the high school player, um, to, to kind of get, get a realistic take because our guy A.J., he listens every week. Um, you know, we never know what to believe when it comes from him. Okay, well, let me, let me start with this. One of my favorite kids I've ever coached. Okay. And, 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 and you ask me why. Be, because he was so tough and, and he was so all in. Uh, I never, ever went to a practice and questioned whether AJ was there and ready, you know, present and, and, and fired. He brought it every day. And, and I, I think back and I, you know, I don't know if he is listening or isn't listening, but I tell him, I'll tell him this one, you know, the next time we get to see each other and, and you know, we're starting to reconnect more on Twitter, which is great. Cause, but I, I kind of regret not playing him a little more. You know, I, he, he was a really good player that could really shoot and I did play him, but I, I think he could have probably played more and, and, and I, I look back on that because he was he was really tough and fun to coach. I, I, I mean, and he defended, and uh, he was a joy. He really was. Coach, we appreciate your time, man. Thank you, uh, Coach. Great catch up with you guys anytime. Great, great. Good, okay. good luck with everything. Thank you, Coach. Talk, Be okay, safe out you. there. Bye. Bye bye. So, yeah, Evan, love, you know, I love to hear stories from the head coaches of these high school of these top high school players because a lot of the things that we see now with these guys are just like uh, things they did in high school, just at, at a higher scale, right? Just Correct. like they're bigger, they're stronger. Um, but they were doing the same things in high school, whether it be James with his shooting ability and playmaking ability and passing or Damian Lewis, obviously with his, his floor general ability and, and leadership and three point shooting ability. But yeah, again, he had a lot of confidence. You look at, you look at James Harden from high school to college to the NBA and like, I think what is really underestimated with James is his strength. Like, yeah, he's big shoulders now. Yeah, he's just massive. Yeah, he like, looks he's like a massive like grip, guy. But he's just like, just like a burly dude. And that's how Eric Gordon was in high school. Oh, yeah. my God. He was just so big and strong and good. I mean, he was terrific at times for, for Mean Streets that summer with playing with Derrick Rose. And uh, I remember James was over at the uh, other event, which would have been 
the big, the big, you know, Bigfoot main event or whatever it was called at the time, and and he led that pump team to the title, and he started to show that he was a top fifteen player in that class. And when I say top fifteen player, that means in other classes he would have been top six or seven. I mean, because that class was loaded. You know? Yeah, yeah. Paul Aldrich, uh, OJ Mayo, etc. The names we've we've already said. Obviously, Derrick Rose is the NBA MVP at twenty two years old before his injuries. Right. So there's no knock. So there's no knock there. Um, you know, it's funny with AJ. You know, he mentioned it a couple of days ago. Uh, Jason Pruitt's brother, well, Gabe Pruitt's brother, Jason, yeah, was on that team. And he had some academic issues, and he had to leave Artesia, and that gave AJ more playing time. Mm-hmm. You know that that kind of moved everybody up in the rotation once, and like maybe Coach Paris said, maybe AJ should have been playing a little bit more the whole time. And then his senior year, he started, and Lorenzo McLeod came in because Pruitt had, it was gone, and Derek Glasser graduated, so it was Lorenzo McLeod, AJ, Malik Story. James and Ronaldo replaced Chantal Norman. Right. And uh, any of those guys can really push the ball. You know, uh, obviously, Kara was out, off to, to college, and they were just as good, if not better, because Ronaldo was just playing great at that time. He was engaged. He respected those guys. He was in shape. He, he you know, he those guys weren't going to let him down. You know, AJ, a combination of AJ, Malik, and, and James kind of kept Ronaldo under wraps more than he was at Fairfax. I think I, at Fairfax, he kind of lost his focus and, you know, it became about other things. But on that sophomore year, he was, he was, he was there and ready. And, and any of those guys can rebound, push and go. Yeah. They didn't really have a Derek Glasser. They had AJ could play on the ball, off the ball defended. Malik was just tough, can shoot the three. And, and James was kind of like the best all round player. So very interesting. You know, like I said, I keep going back to that Paul George thing. I, I, I can barely think of one player I would remove, even today. You know, maybe the second player from Fairfax, Chris Solomon, maybe. You know, but again, their team was way better. Their team was way better. You know, do I remove, uh, you know, the second player from Taft, Eugene Phelps? Probably not. I, I don't think so. It's pretty interesting how that works. Again, uh, uh, Devin, to give you a little background, I don't know if I told the uh, listeners earlier, is that Rancho Verde game when Michael Snare beat them in the title, you know, that was kind of a, that was kind of a, a, a spread game. When we call the spread game is one of those games where you might go check back, check out the spread. Right. I remember a lot of the scouts and a lot of the media checking out the spread that game just happened to be because we're waiting for that Dominguez modern day game. And like you said, we mentioned and coach Watkins mentions, you know, McClyman's ended up beating them for it all going 32 and oh, and Dominguez was a really good team with Cartwright, Jordan Hamilton, and, and and those guys just develop at, at different points. But if Paul George goes for 30 and wins that game, and remember, when they lost that game, they got seeded real low in the regional, and they lost to Dominguez handily in the yeah. first round. So were we going to remove Bar- Bryce Cartwright on the All-State for Paul George? Probably not. Not when they beat him by 30. Yeah, it's <laughs> not. They beat him by 30. Right. Yeah. Like with the way you and I both do our um, – yeah. All teams, all region teams, all region teams, whatever it may be, you, you have to take into account like head, head matchups. Yeah. So if player A beats player B's team by 30, has 25 points and 10 rebounds, yeah. uh, 
uh, but player B for the season averaged 35 points or whatever. You have to give Balance player A right a little bit more points for beating them head to head. So that's that's kind of where where you're coming from with the Paul George uh, uh, question mark there. Yeah, he was a, he averaged about 20 some points a game. He was all region, you know. He was all daily news, and that that was good for his level. I remember, you know, Sondheimer mentioned him in his top 20 players from South California, which is amazing. But you know, he saw him at an All Star game, and he was really good. So you know, it, how many how many times do you think Sandy went up to the high desert and saw saw a uh, night of Palmdale? Maybe once. He probably. I think <laughs> I want to say that he was at the LA City final that game that Saturday. Okay. Which would have been, uh, what, Taft versus Fairfax? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because modern day was playing Dominguez at the pond, and that's where I yeah. was, and that's where many scribes were. So he probably didn't see Paul George in that game um, against Rancho Verde, which Michael Snare had a great game, and obviously Michael Snare uh, was a junior. He had a good summer. He was one of the top players at the Pangos camp, and he was right there with Kawhi Leonard that next year. And, you know, we really haven't spoke much about Kawhi Leonard, but, again, didn't start completely as a sophomore at Canyon Springs and came on. And I think Kawhi Leonard would have made my top 20 all time from from Southern California with, you know, Alley Unified that uh, our guy Pooh Jeter and Baron Davis have kind of put together that's gotten a lot of uh, publicity lately. You know, if they beat, they lost to Dominguez in that regional final. And then Dominguez lost to McClymans. If they beat Dominguez, I think, with EYs and with Kawhi, and then that next year they lost to Westchester in the regional final, ML King again. If he wins one of those two games, I think he probably makes my, my 20. Okay. You know, I think he's right outside of it just because his sophomore year wasn't that, that you know, spectacular. didn't start. So, you know, he's kind of taking it back. Who had a... Uh, uh, who had an impact over four years or three years. And I just think he's right outside of that, you know. Um, so for Sonny to put Paul George in his top 20, you know, he's going by. Yeah, I think he's next going week, a little bit by what happened after. You know? Yeah, next next week we're going to we're gonna take Baron Davis's little uh, L.A. challenge thing. We're going we're gonna to expand on it and, you know, try and book some – a handful of guests who – you know, hopefully Baron himself, um, and maybe some some former some guys on the list. Yeah, some of the guys on the list, former high school guys. And I think I'm going to reach out to Sandy as soon as we finish up here and see if he wants to come on and explain his Paul George pick and tell us how many times <laughs> he saw Paul Paul George play in high school. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit him up. Um, yeah, but I think Ronnie, that's that, that's pretty good for this week. Um, it was really good to get a look back at these these uh, NBA stars and how they were in high school. We're going to look into that a little bit more on the next episode uh, and hopefully get some, some of those guys on themselves. Um, we've got a new little thing going on guys. You guys can connect with, with us with any questions about content and gear or suggestions for the podcast. You can connect with us directly via text. Uh, the new ball side text line number is 310-388-9892. Um, you know, hit us up with any questions you have, whether it's gear uh, suggestions for the podcast, content suggestions, um, or you got a you know video you want posted, make sure you text that line again. I'll give it to you again. It's 310-388-9892. Uh, but until next week, um, you know, make sure you guys hit us up on uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, subscribe, like, give us a comment. We appreciate everyone listening in each and every week. But for episode 77 of the In the Paint Show, Ronnie and Devin are signing off.